Welcome everyone, this is Parlay, a podcast about living, learning, and betting on yourself. I'm Kelly McGuire, and I invite you to join me in candid conversations with my inspiring guests. I sit down with CEOs, advocates, parents, writers, artists, yogis, entrepreneurs, the list goes on. Everyone has a story that connects us, and it's my goal to share them with you. What experiences have shaped their lives? What did they define as success and failure? When is the right time to take a risk? And how have they learned to parlay their last move into their next move? These are just some of the topics we cover and so much more. Wherever you're joining us from, welcome to the conversation. Hello, everyone. It's Kelly, and welcome back to season three of Parlay. I am so excited to kick off another great season filled with inspiring individuals and their stories of living and learning to bet on themselves. My guest today is someone who I've been wanting to have on the show for a very long time, from the get-go, actually. She is someone who, from the time that I met her, she just had this great energy, and I knew there was something special about her. So fast forward a few years, we've gotten to know each other, and I've had the privilege to learn Tara's story, which I'm super eager to share today. When she is not twisting me into a pretzel once a week at her yoga class, she is the mother to two amazing kiddos and wife to her husband. The magic in Tara's journey is how all of these things came to be in her life, years of living in Europe, adoption, surrogacy, and finding her way through yoga are the Coles notes, but I encourage you to join me for my full conversation with Tara and her inspiring story right now. So welcome, Tara. Thank you. I'm happy to be here. This is, uh, Tara's been my, is being my guinea pig. Um, I'm attempting <laughs> to get some video going to the podcast so that I can get it up in more spaces and uh, spread the word more and share everyone's stories. And this is our take two. I'm a rookie at at this video thing. So we're just going with it. I hope it works. We're going with the flow. Yes. All good. Perfect. Perfect. Well, thank you. Thank you for making the time. Tara was so uh, generous and warm when I asked her to be on this season of the podcast. And she is the first recording, the first guest of season three, which is very exciting. I can't believe there's already already three seasons about to happen. Congratulations to you. That's awesome. Thank you. Thank you. So let's start here and now. How are you doing? I'm good. I'm really good. I, uh, you know, we're healthy. The mm-hmm. kids are in school. Um, mm-hmm. They're mask free. They you know, are out of their cohorts. Um, You know, we're hoping to hop on a plane on Saturday and take our first real vacation in a couple of years. Yeah. So, you know, it's good. It's good. It feels, you know, like we're returning to a little bit of quote unquote, you know, normal life. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, with the added lessons that came with having gone through a a pandemic, but uh you know, it's good. Life is good. Yeah. Good, 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 good. Um, Mm -hmm. And what do you think, uh, like speaking of the pandemic, not that I feel like we're going to spend way less time this season going into it, but just thinking about the fact that we do seem to be coming out of it a bit here does seem a bit strange to be able to, you know, have all these freedoms back that we just kind of took for granted before, I guess. But what do you think the last two years have brought to the surface for you? Anything that's going to stick, do you think? Well, I hope some things stick. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, I think the whole less is more mentality, Mm -hmm. um, as far as, you know, social gatherings and, you know, kids activities and, you know, just sort of the tendency we all have where we can get caught or wrapped up in our busy days and we almost thrive off that busyness and um, you know, it almost seems like we should be busy, you know, Mm -hmm. God forbid we we're not busy. So um, within the last two years, you know, for us having been forced to sort of just shut down, um, 
you know, with our family and just to spend that time together without those other distractions was really a gift. I mean, you know, at the time there were days where it's like, oh my goodness, like how can we do another day of this? Right. But you know, the kids got used to having their dad home in the mornings and working from home all day and, you know, um, and just spending time with him that they normally wouldn't get to have Mm -hmm. done. Uh, and that goes for me too. Like Reed just went back to the office last week and, you know, after having him home for almost two years, um, working from home, I, I miss him. Like it's, yeah. it, you know, you just get used to those new normals, right? Those totally. new patterns. And uh, yeah, so I just, I hope that I take away some of that um, connection and that understanding that we don't have to be busy all the time. Mm-hmm. It's okay to sit on the couch and relax and it's okay to, you know, say no to that invite or it's okay to, you know what I mean? Just things mm-hmm. like that. I hope we all take away, you yeah. know, it's, it's what you're, you know, what goes on inside the house that for me fills my bucket. So I, mm-hmm. I, uh, thankfully I have a crew, a family, a husband that I enjoy spending time with. So that was really <laughs> yeah. fortunate too. Bonus. Yeah. You good. Know, bonus. Right. <laughs> so cause, you know, I don't think that was always the case and that could have yeah. made for a very long Mm-hmm. you know, a couple of years. But um, yeah, I think that's it. I think just learning to, you know, take it down a notch, mm-hmm. really, and be happy with, you know, what's right in front of you. I think that's bang on. I think that's what a lot of people took out of this too, just to maybe slow down. I came across a, um, a post on Instagram that I actually reposted today, and it was basically the message was the powers in the pause, effectively. Um, how much you can get out of just pausing for a while, slowing down, seeing what comes to you, what feels right. So, mm-hmm. absolutely. Yeah. Okay, and so for we our have kids too to hopefully take that away, right? Exactly like to feel to like that. they yeah. don't have to to be buzzing here, there, and everywhere. Right. A powerful lesson, indeed, for all of us. Maybe a hard one to learn, and 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 a long time <laughs> learning it. Right. So right. Right. Well, sometimes we need that lesson, you know, to, we need to learn it over and over and over again for it to actually resonate and sink in. So hopefully. If two years isn't enough, I don't know what is. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Yeah. We're hopeless. If it's, yeah, exactly. If we didn't learn anything, then I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, Hope is lost. Hope is lost. But Tara, I have wanted to sit down and have this conversation with you pretty much almost from the get-go. I I don't know why it's taken me three seasons to actually like get this conversation going, but you were someone who I thought of from the very beginning, um, and we'll get into all the reasons why. We actually didn't know each other very well. I think we met because our kids had soccer and like we go to the same kind of gym and just kind of met in passing through mutual friends. But it didn't take very long. I felt like from the time that I met you that it was just, you know, there was just a connection. It was you you were open and easy and um, yeah. And then as I got to know a little bit more about you, then, you know, when the, this concept of parlay kind of presented itself to me you were definitely one of the people that I thought about. Obviously, Tara and I will get into this, but she's had quite a journey herself with infertility. You know, you've lived in different places in the world for extended periods of time. You and your husband had a lot of time together before family presented itself. Through this journey, you also came into yoga and it's become such a huge part of your life and a continuing part of your life that you're still learning um, as yoga is like a lifelong learning, but um, you're kind of in the process of taking that to the next level as well. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. yeah. So why don't I let you just kind of give us some background about you, maybe some of your time with your husband in Europe and how you feel like that served you as a couple, maybe. I know that was a really special time for you guys. Mm-hmm. And then we can move into uh, these other beautiful parts of your life that just okay. uh, make me light up every time I think of oh, them. So, yeah. Um, 
it's good that I present that, you know, energy and that light because there were some very dark times as well along there. But uh, it's good that those, you know, the light overcomes. Um, yeah, so I met my husband here in Calgary. We were both uh, born and raised in Calgary. Mm-hmm. Though he went away to university and I stayed here. Um, we met right after university and um, within a week we met at uh, the uh, Nashville North Calgary Ooh. Stampede. As many relationships As start there. Many- <laughs> 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 so, that's a, so that's a funny one because you know you know the reputation of Nashville North, but um, so we met. I know a lot of people who said they've met at Stampede, either at Cowboys, Nashville North, the Chuck races, and yeah. So right, it's a it, Calgary it, thing. It doesn't deserve the negative reputation. No, you know? there's so, a lot of good things that have come out of there. <laughs> exactly, exactly. So um, we met, and then he we got to know each other, and then he informed me a week later that he was moving to Finland to play hockey and did I want to go (laughs) (laughs) that's like a hell of a like second date type of thing exactly it really was (laughs) I mean we had you know there was just there was I I mean I went there was a connection there and in Mm -hmm. that week we had decided um you know we'd been through university we dated we had whatever and there was just Mm -hmm. this connection that you couldn't um, ignore or deny mm-hmm. and um, you know I was just finished university I hadn't really found my career path yet mm-hmm. um, this guy was inviting me to come live overseas with him and you know I took a <laughs> leap of faith and uh, we have that was in 1997 we've been married 22 years oh my gosh uh, um and have barely been apart a day since then so you know it's it's that old <laughs> adage like yeah you know when you know yeah if you know you know, you know. Yeah, if you know you know and um don't get me wrong i mean packing my bags and having to tell my parents that this oh was yeah happening. i'm sure that went over well <laughs> Well, especially because they were out of town, so oh they my didn't gosh. even meet Reed. Oh until my gosh! He came back at uh, the end of the season. So, <laughs> so oh my anyway, gosh! So yeah, but you know, they were also so cool about it, like knowing me, like they knew me, and you know, and hey, you can always buy a ticket home. Well, right? like that's it, the thing. You know, it was uh, it was a risk we both wanted to take, and. Mm-hmm. Um, Turned out it worked out. I guess so. <laughs> Nashville North and moving halfway around the world within two weeks. Hey, it just works yeah. for some people. Yeah, yeah. It was uh, it was just amazing. And it turned into a 10, uh, 10 years overseas we spent together. So we moved back wow. to Calgary um, in 2007. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So. Wow. That's. Uh, yeah. And that's a long career over there too. Like a lot of people don't generally go and play for that long. Well, <laughs> and I, I tease him about this because that was what he was thinking when we went yeah. over there. You know, he had um, been signed by an NHL team here in what well, was actually the Quebec Nordiques at the time. Oh, yeah. Which don't mm-hmm. actually exist anymore. Those are the Colorado um, Avalanche. But, you know, he realistically knew, you know, at this at that point, he'd probably just bounce around in the minors and, mm-hmm. you know, that wasn't what he was thinking. So he said, let's go to Europe, you know, at least for a year, maybe two, have an experience, you know, I'll get some hockey experience under my belt and, um, you know, and maybe I, I can come back and make a real go at, you know, mm-hmm. here, hockey here in the North America. So I was like, okay, yeah, you know, I could do a year or two overseas and, you know, that'd be great. And then come back and, you know, start my career, whatever that Mm -hmm. might be. And, um, and so that's how we kind of presented it to ourselves and to our families. And, Mm -hmm. um, you know, then 10 years later, it just kept rolling into, you know, another new country, another new experience. Um, 
you know, and we did get to come home in the summers because obviously mm-hmm. that was his off season. Yeah. So we maintained those connections. We got to see our families. We got to, you know, do all that stuff that kept us rooted to Calgary because it, you mm-hmm. know, it is our home. Yeah. Um, but then we, it was like embarking on a new adventure every year. You know, some were better years than others and some cities were better than others. And, you know, and I'm not to say that it certainly wasn't easy. This was in, like I said, the late 90s. So we had, we went to internet cafes to keep in Mm -hmm. touch. We did not have English TV. There was no Netflix. There was no DVDs even. We rented like VHS tapes over there, only the ones that were in um, dubbed in English. So you know what mm-hmm. I mean? It was an entirely different world. Mm-hmm. Um, but in that way, it was really great too. Like we just sat and we played cards for mm-hmm. hours and we talked and we slept and we walked and we like, it was just this really beautiful time mm-hmm. that even if we were there now, it would be so much different because yeah. we have all these you know things at our fingertips mm-hmm. um yeah so we would lug books and magazines over there in our huge you know luggage just so we'd have something to read yeah. so it was it was it was really great it, long, there were long days and some frustrating times but overall it was pretty special mm-hmm. and if i recall both of you were able to was it get your master's while you were there as well? Like in the last year or last yes. two years or something like that? Yeah. So in Reed's last year, we figured, you know, 10 years was a nice round number. Mm-hmm. He still had all his teeth. He still had- <laughs> Which is a, a rarity yeah. for having a that hockey career rare. that long. Yeah. yeah. And he wasn't, you know, leaving on an injury or whatever. Mm-hmm. He was, we were ready. Yeah, And uh, we were ready to come home and, and start life here. But then a team in England contacted him. And long story short, um, you know, the hockey or the sort of compensation to play there is not what you go there for. It's, mm-hmm. it's you know, pretty minimal on both fronts. But they offered to send Reed and I to university, their local university, and pay for both of us to get our master's degrees. Mm-hmm. so we thought well this is fun let's do this yeah again it was just something presented to us yeah and we're like okay we again didn't have anything sort of holiness back there or really needing our attention here so we thought one more year we mm-hmm. can come back to the real world quote unquote with master's mm-hmm. degrees under our belts so we did that so between our undergrads and our master's was 10 years which was again a huge yeah. change. Like when we did our undergrad, we went to the library. Yes. Look through the old Dewey Decimal system. Oh, to see yeah. If the book was there. Microfiche, out, okay, all the good right, stuff. Microfiche. Like, <laughs> I used to hate those. <laughs> oh my gosh, right? Now you just type it up. And yeah. So it was a real learning curve for both of us. Mm-hmm. Um, thankfully, we had each other to go through it with. Yeah, but it was a really fun experience too because we were by far the oldest people in this program, mm-hmm. and uh, we're certainly the only married people maybe on campus. I have no yeah. idea. <laughs> True, you know. So, but again, it was fun. We we mm-hmm. thought this is presenting itself. Let's say yes. Um, what do we have to lose? Another, mm-hmm. you know, leap of faith, and uh, it turned out so well. We really learned a lot. We both walked away with masters and. Um, it was kind of the perfect ending to our story overseas. So it was mm-hmm. good. Yeah. Oh, that's, I love that story. <laughs> I actually didn't know though, until we just were doing this though, that it was so soon after you met Reed that you went with him. Like I had no idea about that, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. which just I blows came back my mind. A few times, yeah. I came back a few times that year just because, you know, it was a long ways away from home. Oh yeah. <laughs> and I was, we, you know, I was young and, you know, anyways, yeah, I did come home just to see my parents again and to see with my friends and to just maintain that. But uh, yeah, it was within a week he left and then I followed shortly thereafter. So Mm -hmm. well, it's interesting (laughs) you say that because Mike and I, after we got married, we lived in London for a year and 
even that was a really big change, which I it, it was kind of interesting to me that I found so many differences and that you can feel quite isolated even still in a very busy city full of English speaking people. And I've been to Finland and that's like a whole different world, uh, or not a whole different world, but like it's a very different experience than being in a predominantly English speaking country. Uh, yes. Yeah. Finland was, you oh. can't read or write it. You can't. Uh, yeah. So there's, there's a whole different uh, language barrier, different culture, like beautiful, beautiful place though. Like loved visiting there. Wonderful people. Go. Wonderful yeah. people. But yeah, even more isolating than being oh, yeah. in more of, you know, one of the more touristed type countries exactly. in Europe, I guess you could say. I mean, when mm -hmm. we were there, you know, through the winter, of course, you know, it was dark. Yes. The sun went down about three o'clock every day yeah. and rose at about, you know, 10 o'clock yeah. every morning in the, you know, in the real depths of winter. Mm -hmm. So that was a big adjustment. Yes. Um, you know, there's a lot of seasonal, um, whatever disorder, as you can mm -hmm. imagine, it was just so yeah. dark. And I remember we'd literally travel around with our address written on a piece of paper in our pocket yeah. because we couldn't pronounce it. Yeah. We couldn't. I mean, it was just like, take us here, please. Do you know what yes. I mean? <laughs> yeah, you're kind of at everybody's mercy. Like, please help me. Please take me here. Yes. Yeah. And kind of so. prior to big cell phone networks too, right? Like they're around, but not not nearly as prevalent as they are now. No, no, so. no, that's for sure. It was it was the early days of all that stuff. So, mm -hmm. but again, kind of a neat time to explore when you can just walk through the cities, unfold that map, mm -hmm. <laughs> look like the tourists, fold it back up, like, you know, just all that stuff. So mm -hmm. yeah, it was good. Mm -hmm. Oh, that's incredible. <laughs> and during that time, I'm trying to recall from some of our conversations, is that was part of the reason why you came back also because you guys wanted to start a family or had tried to, were trying to start <laughs> a family while you were there? Yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, we we got married in 2000 mm -hmm. and um, always just thought, oh, you know, you know, you make these big plans. You've got it mm -hmm. all laid out, right? Yeah. Um, we're going to get married. Let's hang out for two years, get to know yep. each other. Mm -hmm. um, let's start trying. We'll have, you know, the first and then a couple of years later, we'll have the second. And um, gosh, we learned that those plans were not going to happen. We... Yep. Um, we started trying overseas, um, mm -hmm. you know, just as you do, thinking that there won't be an issue. Um, it just wasn't happening. It wasn't happening. Mm -hmm. So we would come back in the summer. I'm just trying to get my year straight. Like maybe in 2003, we thought we should mm -hmm. come back in that summer, get in at the fertility clinic here in Calgary, mm -hmm. which I'm so thankful we have here. It was, you know just fortunate to have that at our doorstep really in Calgary. Yeah. Um, so we started at the fertility clinic and, um, you know, discussed different options and what we should be doing and, you know, what our path might look like. Um, for us, there was really uh, like a, not a real definite, this is why you're not getting pregnant. Mm -hmm. uh, it was, you know, I've had, um, you know, sprinkled throughout my life too. I've had, well, a few, you know, pretty serious health issues. Yes. Um, one of them being Crohn's disease. And that required uh, quite a few surgeries that they went in through my abdomen. So there was quite mm -hmm. a lot of scarring in those areas. Mm -hmm. um, you know, they kind of said, maybe that's what it is. Um, but, you know, Reed and I otherwise were healthy and, you know, our blood work and all that kind of stuff looked fine. Mm -hmm. so we think IVF is probably the best route for you guys let's try that so we said okay so but again we were sort of on a limited time because we were going yeah. back overseas and you know the wait list to get into that clinic and to see it was mm -hmm. and the timing of then. it all too like the it's timing so specific of it the timing if you only have a yes. few months and you don't start you can't you know, if you don't get started on a specific day to get in the cycle, it's like you lose the cycle and it's just, it, it's yeah. a vicious cycle, all of it. Right. So <laughs> it is, it really is. Mm -hmm. And it's overwhelming and it's, yes. 
So, you know, we took all that information with us. We sort of said, well, we're going to sit with this and let it absorb. Mm-hmm. Um, we're going to go back overseas and, um, you know, we'll come back next summer and, you know, we'll get on it because mm-hmm. knowing that it was, you know, months of um, monitoring your mm-hmm. cycle and then hormone injections and then the egg retrieval and all that. So without getting, you know, too much into the dirty weeds for people mm-hmm. who don't know about IVF, yeah. it's, it's, uh, it's, it's a really um, intrusive physically on the woman, mm-hmm. especially, but intrusive, like emotionally for both partners. Um, mm-hmm. It's so such a hard journey. Like there's just filled with ups and downs and um, hope and despair. And <laughs> it's just so, but we were, we, this was it. We were going to do it because yeah. we wanted a family. There was mm-hmm. no question. It was all going to be worth it. And um, so we started that cycle and that summer um, they did the egg retrieval, which um, ironically went like I turned out to be hyper fertile on these hormones. Mm -hmm. So when they did the egg retrieval and then they made the embryos from those eggs, I can't remember the number now, but it was over 20. We had t- over 20 embryos. Like Reed That's, joked, like, well, wow. we can make a hockey team with this crew. Yeah. Like, it was that. That's like, a that, lot. And I remember him saying that so clearly. Yeah. And um, so we were really encouraged by that. We're like, that's great. Like, yeah, you know, that means we'll have lots of tries because mm-hmm. I really didn't want to go through another egg retrieval. It's quite, yeah. you know, as mm-hmm. you know. Yeah. Um. So... The flip side of that was because I was so, um, you know, respondent to these um, hormones, my ovaries, and once the eggs were retrieved, then my ovaries just sort of filled with fluid, Mm. um, making it so, so painful for me that I, you know, sort of went back to the clinic the next day, banging on the door, like this is not normal. This does not feel right. They did an ultrasound of my ovaries and immediately sent me to the foothills hospital like across like we've called they're expecting you get over there wow which turned out to be the call that saved my life Uh, without being dramatic that is absolutely what it was i was over at the foothills um and they were monitoring my ovaries and trying to just sort of get them under control and you know that was all it really was like pain control but also having you know my body just sort of reset again and, and sort of have be under watch while that happened. Um, Unfortunately, the one day I was there, I, you know, I wasn't, I was fine. I got up to go to the bathroom and came back and laid in my bed and I looked at Reed and I can only describe it as a um, near death experience. I looked at him and all of a sudden I couldn't breathe and he went fuzzy and I could hear him calling me and calling the nurse, but I couldn't respond. And then everything went dark, but there were just like, I, I liken it to like the Vegas strip. Like I could just see all these bright lights and everything. Mm-hmm. And then the next thing I knew I woke up in the ICU. So what had happened was a massive blood clot had formed because of the hormones um and it when I got up to go to the bathroom it went to my lung so yeah so had that been at home uh I wouldn't have survived it it was an immediate into the ICU you know helping me breathe like it was it was an intense intense thing so and for Reed you know he will say that was the scariest moment of his life watching me go through that which I can understand it's probably easier from my point of view than yeah is watching me go through that um so fast forward you know another year we've had time to absorb that because there was no way after that oh yeah we were then going to do the transfer or whatever Mm -hmm. like it was just a matter of me you know healing physically but both Mm -hmm. of us healing mentally and um you know 
that whole that whole thing that process we did not want to rush it we were not ready to rush it and Mm -hmm. we actually honestly didn't even know if we were going to go back to the to the clinic because we were Mm -hmm. just um only because not that we were blaming them or anything we just didn't know if we wanted to do that route again like yeah yeah you know scary it was yeah so um but so we went back again the following summer after another year overseas um and you know they assured us you know not having to do the egg retrieval and in Mm -hmm. fact just do a frozen transfer yeah is far less risky and they had me on um blood thinners Mm -hmm. so you know we were we were making sure we were crossing our t's and dotting our i's that this would be safe for me Mm-hmm. And we had full confidence and, you know, in the doctors. And so we tried and I think we ended up trying, I don't know, maybe two or three more times mm-hmm. with these. Th- and again, thank goodness we had these multiple embryos to try. Yeah. And, you know, I think two of them took, but then I miscarried and then one didn't even take. So, mm-hmm. you know, this journey of you know, optimism and hope and, you know, that visualization of your family and, you know, bringing that baby home and how this is just all those images that you have in your mind of mm-hmm. what your family is going to look like just can get crushed in, you know, in a moment, really, like with, you know, your period arriving or with mm-hmm. that pregnancy test saying you're not pregnant. So it was really, really hard. Um, And, and, you know, there were times where as a woman, I don't know if you felt this way, Mm -hmm. but, you know, I took it on as why, like, why can't my body do this? (laughs) Like, what is wrong with me? Yeah. Like, aren't we put on, you know, we're supposed to be able to do this. What's the problem? Yeah. Like, this is what, this is what we were made to do, right? Literally, right? I feel super betrayed by your you feel betrayed yeah yeah and I also started to develop like um almost like a little bit of like a fatalist mentality like I I started to go to places that were like is there a reason why I'm not able to carry a child like is something going to happen to me is something going to happen to Mike is something going to happen to both of us I don't know you go it like you can go to some pretty dark places well you're trying to rationalize something that's not yes rational really right like why is this happening to us? You mm-hmm. know, and in the meantime, you see everyone around you. Oh yeah, it, 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 that's what it feels like. Anyways. Oh, for sure. You know, for sure that everyone's starting their families, and and um, <clears throat> so that was, yeah, for sure, some really dark days, mm-hmm. um, and dark times. And I'm so grateful for you know Reed and I for that connection that we have for the support of our family and those friends that we let in. Though having said that, you know, Reed and I are pretty private people. So mm-hmm. at that time, I mean, things have shifted now, but at that time we didn't tell a whole lot of people. We yeah. kind of kept it close to the chest and yeah, um, that was just our way of getting through it. And, yeah. you know, I might, who knows, you know, 2020, right. It's, it's, it's how you kind of look back at things, but mm-hmm. maybe I should have let more people in. But for me, it was just almost like a you sheltering do. with the one yeah. person who knew what I was going through, right? So yeah, exactly. Yeah. So um, after those didn't take, then we thought, okay, well, we still have these embryos, mm-hmm. so surrogacy would be an option, and um, adoption yeah. was definitely an option. So we were just, we just opened our hearts really to the universe. Like wherever you find us a baby, Mm -hmm. you know, we welcome it sort of thing. So um, we started both processes um, almost at the same time. We started with the adoption only because it was an easier option to pursue because it was actually more prevalent than surrogacy at that Mm -hmm. time. I don't know now what the rates are, but Mm -hmm. um, you know, I didn't know a single person who had ever gone through surrogacy. So that was something, whereas adoption, you would hear like, Oh yeah, my friend or my Mm -hmm. friend's friend or whatever. So we had some resources at our disposal there. So we 
tapped into a couple agencies, found one that resonated with us here in Calgary. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, went through that whole process, which was, it was, uh, I mean, I get why they have to put you through this process. I, yeah. I really do, but wow. <laughs> Yeah, I th- I think you're wow. so strong. Like you guys are so strong for being able to do that on the on the tail end of everything you just came out of because it was it was on our radar as well. And I I don't think I could have gotten through it. Like I was I I thought that if it came crashing down, that I thought you're gonna you're gonna find me in a padded room somewhere. I just wasn't emotionally prepared yet to to um to go down that path. So well, you have to, be, I, you have to be prepared. Yeah. For me, it was, I needed to close the door on the idea of me being pregnant and that the all, the end result of having a child could, was not going to include me carrying yeah. that child. Mm-hmm. And that took a long time. Oh yeah. <laughs> you know, and and don't get me wrong. There are times where I think, I, you know, I see the pregnant woman walking down the street and think, oh, but then I'm also like so far removed from it now. I'm like, yeah, I'm okay with that. Like I, you know, I didn't get that experience, but I had now have my two beautiful children. And yeah, you had um, a different experience. Very two, different experience. Two very beautiful I, I, experiences. Really, really. And mm-hmm. I, I, giggle now when I'm with my girlfriends who you know were at least five years some 10 years out of having had kids and you know they're talking about their saggy boobs and their (laughs) tummy tucks and their you know all this stuff and I'm like can't jump on the trampoline (laughs) like all that stuff yeah it's funny because there's that silver lining yeah it's you don't always know when it's coming for you but every once in a while you're kind of like oh you know, so true. not necessarily that this is better than what I thought I was getting, but you know, you take it when you can get it, right? <laughs> you take what you can get and yeah. you make light of it. Like I just yeah. giggle, you know, I, and, and they tease me too. It's like, yeah, you know, and I said, absolutely. Like yeah. we're far enough removed that that silver yeah. lining is there mm-hmm. and it's one that we couldn't giggle at. So, yeah. Um, yeah. So, but we could not have pursued adoption or surrogacy if I wasn't ready to have closed that door. Yeah. And it took a while and you know it's still sometimes it it kind of rears its ugly head a little yeah. bit. Yeah. Um when the kids ask questions and stuff like that, but you know, like I said, the end result is we sit here every night at our dinner table with our two beautiful kids and mm-hmm. that's all I need, right? So yeah. um yeah, so we started the adoption agency or process that took I think from, you know, once our whole profile, like it's a very in-depth process mm-hmm. um, that you have to go through. Um, then they put you on the waiting list. And I think once we got on the waiting list, it was about 18 months. So, um, but the one thing that I will say uh, that has always stuck with me was when we were in like one of the information sessions and it was um uh, the the woman running the session said, you know, you've all come here from different paths and different taken different journeys to get here. And she says, but I'm telling you right now that there are so many kids out there. If you are open to it, we will make you parents. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? Whereas the fertility clinic can't say that. They can't guarantee Your doctor that. can't say that. No. Your mom, as much as she wants to, can't say that. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like no yeah. one can say you will be a parent. Yeah. We promise you that other than this adoption agency, because really if you're willing to open your hearts to a child and to wait for that child, Mm -hmm. um, you will have a child. That must have been such a, like a profound and like just pivotal moment for you and Reed to to have some certainty about something like not the certainty of the when or the who or the why, or maybe even necessarily the how, but, but you knew that the end result, you know, that creating a family was going to happen. That's that must have brought a lot of peace in some so way. So well put. It really did. I think we both left that meeting and just thought, 
she's right. Like this yeah. is going to happen. And you're right. We don't know how or when or who or whatever, but we didn't care. We just yeah. held on to the fact that it was going to happen. So that was a real turning point And that was a real, um, something we needed to hear, I think at that point. Mm-hmm. So while we were on that waiting list, we thought, well, let's, uh, let's look into surrogacy. Yeah. Um, which was a much uh, harder sort of path to follow because mm-hmm. there isn't the information out there and there aren't, yeah. um, you know, just the, yeah, there's just not the info out there for people. Maybe there is now. I mean, this was again, 10 years ago or whatever. Yeah. So, um, and we came into contact with some agencies and, um, you know, started to learn the laws and the rules behind it all and took a deep dive into that as well. Um, but then, like, as the universe works sometimes, um, a friend, a coworker that I worked with, her friend knew a woman. So a friend of a friend of a friend <laughs> yeah, had just had her third baby, um, was a nurse, uh, and they were chatting one day and yeah, no word on our family, but you know, I like being pregnant. Um, you know, I, I wouldn't say I would never do surrogacy or something, whatever the conversation yeah. went yeah, with, yeah. or sounded like. So <laughs> that little tidbit made its way through the group grapevine from that woman to her friend, to the friend, to my friend, to me. Mm-hmm. And, you know, again, another long story short, I reached out to this woman, like, really? She's like, well, you know, if it was the right couple, like, yeah. you know, and she yeah. was doing this out of the, in Canada, you can't pay someone to be your yeah. surrogate. It's against the mm-hmm. law. Mm-hmm. And um, so, you know, that their intentions are pure. Yes. And she says, but I want to do it for the right people. I have to have, you know, a connection and all this, what you would expect, mm-hmm. right? So she and I decided to meet one day over coffee. It was like a blind date. Like it was Oh just my God. This, that must have been I, so nerve wracking. We were both so nervous. Like <sighs> it was like, I'll be wearing the blue scarf and all that, you know, like it was just this because yeah. we had no idea, right? Anyways, we met uh, for coffee and there was just this, it was an immediate connection again. Like you just cannot yeah. deny these yeah. immediate connections. I'm like goosebumps. <laughs> yeah. Like you and I were talking about at the beginning yeah. between us and, mm-hmm. you know, for Reed and I, different type of connection, but mm-hmm. there immediately. And same here with this woman. And um, so we chatted and so, yeah, long, long story short, because I'm trying to keep this succinct and everything here. Um, <laughs> I know we could have like a our, five part series on this one. <laughs> I know, right? Like, okay. Well, I'm done. Um, on our third try, because the first two didn't work, mm-hmm. um, which was very, again, disappointing because we were just yeah. like, you know, and yeah. again, you go through the roller coaster, totally. and blah, blah, blah. And so she decided she would give us a like a third try. And we said, that's good. And we said, but that's it. Because we don't want this anymore for us, for you. Yeah. She can't do it to her family anymore. Yeah. You know. And uh, so the third time took. And um, we just were over the moon. So mm-hmm. 16 months after Grace, our daughter, was born, Miles was born. So within a two year span, we then had our like two little babies and um, yeah, it's exceptional. Wow. So it was, yeah, yeah, it's pretty great. And we still, um, you know, to this day, like we were at Grace's birth. Mm-hmm. We weren't in the room with her cause she actually, the woman ended up having a C-section. Okay. Um, we were in the room with, um, for miles of birth. So mm-hmm. I got to, we got to experience that like a baby wow. being born, which was really cool. I cut the umbilical cord, all that kind of stuff. And we still have relationships with both these women and their families. Mm-hmm. Wow. They have just expanded into part of our family and us into theirs and our kids know their kids. And, you know, it's my 
they send Christmas cards to my parents. Like it's just, it's become this really, really beautiful, just web of love and sharing and, you know, selflessness. And it's just exceptional, exceptional women. (laughs) That's so incredible. And so I think promising for so many people who are wondering, who want a family, who are, it's, it's not working the traditional way to see the example of you and Reed and the kids and how your children come to you in all different ways. Yes. Yes. And that's so true. And it's just, um, you know, I can honestly say today, as I sit here with you, like, I wouldn't change a thing. Like I wouldn't go back and, you know, if Reed and I could have those babies two years after we got married and, you know, I I, I wouldn't change a thing. Like that time mm-hmm. together for him and I to be in Europe just as a couple and to experience that. And then, you know, to have Grace um, join us and make us a family and then to have Miles complete that family. I just, I wouldn't change a thing. So. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's incredible. Yeah. And and through this whole time too is mm-hmm. effectively when you started, I guess, finding yoga or it found you. And yeah. how did that all come to be? Because now that is also a huge part of your life. Yes. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I'd started overseas just as a way to sort of, you know. I had a lot of spare time on my hand while Reed mm-hmm. was uh, playing or traveling or whatever. And I'd always sort of been intrigued by yoga, but never knew a lot about it and mm-hmm. grew up as a competitive gymnast. So kind of had that sort of body awareness and flexibility mm-hmm. and blah, blah, blah. That, though that's what I thought yoga was all about. Flexibility mm-hmm. in the poses. Yeah. <laughs> not, like, not quite the case. But modicum of it. it. But yeah, you know, whatever gets you on your mat, right? exactly exactly right then the teaching begins (laughs) then the teaching begins exactly so yeah initially it was all about the physical practice and just Mm -hmm. feeling good and moving and you know and then later sort of came the breath and the meditation and um you know those sort of learnings that went with that the philosophy behind it um and just a deeper understanding of myself and my journey and mm-hmm. um, through these through these practices. Yeah. So it really became a gift through all of this. Uh, mm-hmm. And it, it was almost, it kept me anchored um, mm-hmm. on a lot of days as far as, you know, when I'd feel myself slipping into whatever that would be, you know, a depression or if I was feeling anxious one day or, angry about something not you know it was just it's just really been an anchor for me throughout Mm -hmm. all this um and then it just sort of magnifies the good days as well you know what Mm -hmm. i mean like it's it's yeah it's in there for me on all days ups downs you know so it's been a real gift for sure but it's a lifelong learning Mm -hmm. oh for sure and um Mm -hmm. so i have been going to terrace classes for a few years, obviously during the pandemic, it was a bit scrambled, (laughs) especially with kids (laughs) home and things like that. But, um, I've started back now and, and it's like my day of the morning of the week that like, don't mess with that. Like (laughs) Wednesday mornings with Tara, it's like growing up Irish Catholic. It was like, I was at church on Sunday morning and now I'm at yoga with Tara at 9am on Wednesday. So if anybody ever wonders where I am at 9am on Wednesday, I'm with Tara. (laughs) I love it. it. (laughs) But it, it, it changes you. It becomes Mm -hmm. a part of you. It becomes like a safe haven, you know? Sometimes when you feel like you just need uh, clarity or stillness, um, you know, it doesn't really matter what the time of day. You can just go on your mat for 10 minutes. You could be there for an hour and a half. It's just like a safe space, right? Yes, it is a safe space. And it's a space that you can be yourself and you can learn, you know, I think for both of us with issues, you know, starting families or 
whatever. It's a space to learn acceptance and mm-hmm. love and um, towards yourself, first and foremost. That mm-hmm. sort of translates outward. But yeah, it's been a, it's been a real lifesaver for me, for sure. Mm-hmm. And you're continuing to take it uh, kind of into mm-hmm. the next level as well, because right now you're currently doing your yoga therapy designation. So maybe you could explain that to everybody, because when Tara told me she was doing this, I was kind of like, and <laughs> tell me what that is. So <laughs> well, you're not alone in it. because Yeah. <laughs> although it's been around for a few years, it's a relatively new concept or mm-hmm. new field, I should say. So um, I'm right now in the beginning stages of an 800 hour course, mm-hmm. which at Intense. the end, I, <laughs> yeah, it's a lot. It's a That's lot. A lot. Um, and then I have a practicum to do after that. So it's at the end when all is said and done, I will be a certified yoga therapist. So if you want to sort of, you know, parallel it to like a certified massage therapist or Mm -hmm. a physiotherapist um I will have that designation so that one day when hopefully healthcare will cover yoga therapy Mm -hmm. um I can treat you and it can be covered under your insurance Mm -hmm. now I can still treat you but you have to pay out of pocket so um it essentially is a combination of working with the body like you do in physio or massage but you're incorporating sort of the yoga philosophy behind it so getting into the eight limbs of yoga getting into all your koshas which means like treating the body as a whole like if you come to Mm -hmm. me with a sore knee i'm not just going to treat your knee Mm -hmm. i'm going to treat the hip that's above it and the ankle that's below it and the psoas muscle that's um, restricting it and I'm going to teach how to breathe to loosen that psoas muscle to you know so it's going to encompass all that breath meditation movement Mm -hmm. um, awareness of your body Um, and it also takes into account um, mental Mm -hmm. like you know it's an all-encompassing like I said so mental health um, you know when we're depressed or anxious our back hurts more. I mean, it's who doesn't feel that right. It's like there's mm-hmm. a connection there. Mm-hmm. Um, when we've got stress in our lives, you know, our, our shoulders are stiff and we get pain or, you know, I mean, there's just mm-hmm. such an innate connection between our body. Our body shows us the symbols. It doesn't lie to us. It's showing yes. us what's there. Yes. It's a matter of us sort of digging deeper to find mm-hmm. out what the root cause of that is. Mm-hmm. And so that's what this yoga therapy is all about, essentially. So, um, yeah, if you, you know, if you're going to go see a yoga therapist for a sore back, you're going to go with the intention that they're not just going to work on your back. They're going to work on, you know, your mind and your breath and your fascia mm-hmm. and your hips and your shoulder because it's across from the sore back. You know, like it's mm-hmm. so... It's, it's kind of an all-encompassing, holistic take on health and wellness. Oh, and I hope that day comes. I actually have another guest coming on later this season, and a big part of our conversation um, that we've kind of talked about is, you know, the supplementary pieces to our traditional medicine and how if we were able to access in, you know, utilize some of those tools if they were treated the same way as like having pharmaceuticals covered. And, you know, I'm not talking all like woo woo and like, you know, things that are, it's things that are, are beneficial that we know that the science is there um, to help support it. And the connection between the physiological, the mental and, and, you know, the spiritual aspects of things and how it all works together. And if, if we can dive deeper on those and have more practitioners that, are available, you know, we can certainly help a lot more people with a lot less interference, uh, yes. like outside interference, I guess you could say, right? Absolutely. That's so well said. I, I couldn't agree more. And I, I also want to make it clear, like, you know, if I have a headache, I take an Advil. Like I'm not yeah, against yeah. any of that. No, right? or, no, but it's, they supplement you know, each other. There's a time and place for sure for both. Right. And they can Absolutely. help each other out. 
Yeah. Yeah. So it's, it's really exciting. I mean, it, it, like I said, it's a fairly new sort of thought process for lots of people, but it's, Mm -hmm. it's been around forever. Do you know what I mean? Like this whole idea that we're all connected and breath and mind and body and spirit. And so it's just a matter of sort of making it a little more accessible to everyone and, Mm -hmm. and hoping they're open to it. Mm. Well, that's very exciting. I it obviously is. will get the updates every week from you how it's going when I see you at church. So I wanted, you know, I know you're busy. We both have to go pick our kids up here shortly, but um, I just wanted to ask you a few questions, quick questions about, you know, obviously you and Reed have been through a lot. Um, from the fertility perspective and obviously with your embolism kind of opening your heart to the path of building your family in not traditional way that you thought it was going to be. And, you know, what yoga has taught you, what, like, what would you say to somebody who is saying like, my life is not where I want it to be or not where I'm trying to make it go? Like, what do you say to somebody and how did you become comfortable, I guess, with going with it? Because there's like a push pull, right? Like, it's not like we can sit there and just wait for everything to happen to us because that doesn't work either. Things don't always just fall into your lap. Like there is an element of pursuit and dreaming and goal setting. And, you know, how, how would you say to somebody like, how do you balance that and how do you move forward when you're just really not in a great place when you've been trying really hard? Well, I think first and foremost, you have to kind of just sit with it and realize that some things are just, I was going to say not meant to be, but it's at that time. Um, mm-hmm. And and for me, I know it's easy f- to say because now I can look back and yeah. the journey and those days that I had were like, what am I doing? What's going on? What's, mm-hmm. you know, where is this path leading have now led me to where I am today and I love mm-hmm. today. So yeah. if I could turn around and say to myself, you know, 20 years ago or whatever, just like, hold on, find someone something some practice something in yourself to hold on to because you need that anchor to to center you to strengthen you and to just help you like there are days where you're going to want to burst into tears and Mm -hmm. you're going to want to scream your head off and you're going to be angry at that woman with a big beautiful belly walking down the street because that's what you want but you have to let that go and you have to accept I think Mm -hmm. accept where you are and just yeah it's just not coming out the way I want it to come out (laughs) and that's okay it's hard to put put into words (laughs) it's hard to put into words I did ask a very like you know open-ended question so you know question again I I, you know I can't even repeat it because I think I threw too many things and no wonder (laughs) I wasn't it wasn't a very articulate question so I apologize for that (laughs) no it's all good I, I you know it's yeah whatever life throws at you you just you have to I don't know have the belief, I guess. Yeah. Have the belief that it's going to be okay, mm-hmm. I think. You know? And mm-hmm. that I can honestly say, and I say this when we practice and when I practice, like you are where you're meant to be at this mm-hmm. point in time, doing exactly what you're meant to be doing mm-hmm. at this point in time. Yeah. And if you can trust in that, which is not always easy, I understand mm-hmm. that, then you can almost let go of the rest. Mm-hmm. Do you know what? Like, yep, you are exactly doing what you're mm-hmm. doing exactly where you're supposed to be with who you're supposed to be with right at this point in time. Mm-hmm. And if you can trust in that, then it's easier to let go of sort of the why me, what if, what next, who's mm-hmm. you know, sort of thing. But that's not always easy. I'm not gonna pretend it's easy. Yeah, mm-hmm. no, for sure. Well, I really want to thank you for your time, Tara. We could have 
sat here and <laughs> dove deeper into all of these things, probably like for hours, but then our kids would be wondering who's coming to get them from school. So we should probably not do that. But um, I do want to close with three quick questions. Okay. So taking a little bit of a new approach to closing out this season and kind okay. of both past, past, present, and future. So mm-hmm. what... Do you have a favorite quote or mantra or the biggest lesson that you've learned thus far? Okay, well, I'm going to go with the quote <laughs> um, because that's something that has stuck with me forever. My husband, mm-hmm. when we first met, sent me a postcard back in snail mail because mm-hmm. we didn't have email back then. Yeah. And this was from Finland. And on the back of it was written... Um, life and I hope I'm getting it right life shrinks or expands in comparison to one's what was it ah life shrinks or expands in comparison to one's what was it Cal (laughs) no hold on hold on oh my gosh is this awful wait I sent it to you and now it oh yeah oh yeah there it is because I wanted to make sure I had it life shrinks or expands in proportion to one's courage Yes. So that to me Mm. is my life in a nutshell, really. I took chances, leaps of faith, Mm -hmm. um, found courage when I didn't even know I had it and it appeared. And um, yeah, and my life has expanded because of Mm -hmm. it for sure. I like that. I like that a lot. Um, Next time I'll get it right. It's I put you on the spot though. So, you know, it's okay. It's okay. We got there in the end and I We got there. It's it's like when you forget your own kid's name or something or you know, so you're like, "Wait a second. No. So true. But that's great. I love that. I really love that. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Uh so in the present, what are mm-hmm. three things that bring happiness or joy to your life? Uh my family, uh my studies, yoga studies, and my trip to Palm Springs. <laughs> Perfect. Her eminent trip to Palm Springs. Busted yes. out of the COVID shell. <laughs> I can't wait. <laughs> it's going to feel good. It's gonna it feel will good. feel good. Yeah. And for the future, what's your big mm-hmm. dream? Oh. <laughs> you know, I want to see my kids. Um, grow into kind, caring, compassionate humans. Um, Don't really care what, you know, else their day-to-day life looks like. Um, Mm -hmm. I want them to be able to keep food on the table and the lights on, but I want them to be kind, compassionate, empathetic um, people. And then, you know, Reed's and my job will be done and we can continue our European tour <laughs> as part retired deux. folks this time. Yeah, part deux. <laughs> part deux. <laughs> I love exactly. it. I think yeah. that's a beautiful dream. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> Uh, well, Tara, thank you so much. I really, really appreciate you being so open and honest and willing to share your story. Um, you you do have such a, a beautiful light in you. And I know that you said that, you know, it hasn't always been light. Um, mm-hmm. But I'm glad that that's, that's where you are now. And that you've been able to take so many valuable lessons from your experience, because sometimes it can make people quite jaded, but I'm so happy that it created growth for you and an appreciation and that you, you know, built your beautiful family and that you guys are doing great. Well, thank you. It was so fun to be on here and to chat with you and connect with you. I appreciate your time and thank you for inviding me. Of course. We might have to and do we made a follow it without up. crying. Just, I'm not gonna lie, my eyes were t- watery here and there. That's okay. This is real life. We're having real conversations. That's exactly so, right. But I we thought have for hearts. Sure, but- <laughs> we have hearts and feelings. <laughs>
<laughs> exactly. Mm-hmm. Well, but maybe we'll do a follow up if anybody has questions about your those two processes. I'd be happy to share resources or you know information or whatever the case may be. Okay, perfect. Well, we'll sign off for now. And okay. yeah, a final thank you, Tara. That was fantastic. Um, everyone, you can head to the website. You can download this episode pretty much anywhere where you can get podcasts. I hope I'm technically inclined enough to actually get this thing up on YouTube, which is the goal for this season. So I'll share the details for that. Um, Yeah. And you can read a little bit more about Tara on the website and feel free to send me questions. And I'm happy to do a follow-up with Tara. If anybody has any questions regarding any part of her journey that you might be, you know, having a parallel experience. So I think with that, we'll close it out, Tara. And um have a great time. Namaste. (laughs) Namaste in Palm Springs. (laughs) Woohoo! See you next time, everyone. Thank you everyone for joining me in sharing these connected conversations. If you're enjoying Parlay, I encourage you to share it with your friends, your family, share it on social media. Your support is the biggest compliment we could receive. And be sure to like, follow, and review wherever you get your podcasts. Be sure to visit the Parlay website for notes and links from today's episode and all previous episodes. And join me next week as we continue to journey on with inspiring individuals and learn invaluable lessons for betting on yourself.